Let's uh, welcome in our space expert, Paul Delaney. He joins us to unlock the secrets of the universe. He joins us now here on Global News Radio. No pressure, Paul. No pressure at all, Jeff. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> Good to have you here as always. We're going to talk about, uh, well, let's start really kind of at the genesis of this. Last week, a woman by the name of Ruth Hamilton, she'd been uh, asleep for hours in her home in Golden, B.C., and this asteroid came through her roof right into her bedroom, actually landed right next to her, Paul, in bed. I mean, what are the chances of this happening? Do, do asteroids just drop randomly out of the sky all the time and we're just not aware of it? Tiny little correction. It was a meteorite, not an asteroid. Okay, thank uh, you. Asteroids are really very, very big. And if, if we wouldn't be having this conversation about it landing on her pillow if it was an asteroid. Uh, but meteorites, Okay, that might be more than a tiny point. <laughs> That's exactly, a big one. Exactly. Uh, but the chances are really slim. I strongly recommend she goes out and buys a lottery ticket uh, you know, because it really is unusual. We, we get peppered with meteorites on our planet literally by the thousands per year. But... Thousands per year, it sounds a lot, but when you think of the, the, the surface area of the Earth, the vast majority of these meteorites end up in the ocean. A significant fraction end up uh, being recovered from Antarctica. The, uh, there's only been, to the best of my knowledge, two or three events in recorded history over the last couple of hundred years by recorded history uh, where people have actually seen the meteorite come down literally on their property or in their house. Uh, there was a, a woman in the 50s where literally she had a broken arm because one bounced off of her. And another person in New York City about 20 years ago ended up with a you know, fender bender. It literally smashed into the back of their car. It is rare for this to happen. So people shouldn't suddenly get very, very worried. But can it happen? Yes, it can. Just like you could win the lottery. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, as it did happen to uh, Ruth Hamilton, and do we know the speed that some of these meteorites come crashing to uh, Earth? You just mentioned the uh, one person who sustained a uh, broken arm. Again, this is a rare event, but I have to believe these are coming with a great speed and the possibility of doing some great damage. Uh Tens of kilometers an hour, not much higher than that because of things like terminal velocity. Uh, it, it hits the atmosphere at potentially tens of kilometers a second. But as it passes through the atmosphere, it is subjected to phenomenal amounts of friction. That uh, is why you know, we call them shooting stars. You're seeing the meteor at that point in time becoming a meteorite, shedding a lot of the mass potentially breaking apart into smaller pieces and then being subjected to the thicker atmospheric layers, slowing it down to near terminal velocity. So probably it hit her roof at, you know, say 40, 50 kilometers an hour, not much larger than that, uh, but it's a small surface area. So it obviously was able to punch through the roof uh, and it, it could have done some serious damage to her but they're not coming in at hundreds of kilometers an hour, which I think a lot of people think they are. And it came in with a pretty soft landing because, as we mentioned, it ended up in bed right next to her. And again, fortunately, no harm done. But now researchers, uh, Paul, now that we've got our hands on this meteorite, uh, they're thinking that uh, we might learn a little more about the solar system and the universe. I know uh, some professors at Western University in London, Ontario are uh, looking into this. Oh, absolutely. These meteorites are time capsules. They are really sought after, which is why we go down to Antarctica every year and literally pick up 
hundreds which are lying around that uh, continent. So they are incredibly important. London, Western has uh, a really great place uh, that looks at meteorites. Meteors and meteorites have got a whole slew of media cameras that are monitoring their skies hoping to be able to track where a meteor becomes a meteorite, that is to say where it comes to ground. So knowing the, the pedigree of the object, that is to say when it came down, uh, pick it up very quickly so it's not being contaminated unduly by the Earth's uh, processes, weathering processes and so on. To be able to analyze meteorites is really very, very valuable. Time capsules giving us insights into four and a half billion years ago, because these objects, generally speaking, haven't sustained any change since their formation. Okay, so what will researchers be looking at? They get their hands on this meteorite. Do they put it under a microscope, and are they looking for certain things, Paul? They are looking for certain things. Generally speaking, uh, we, we slice very thin pieces of uh, meteorites so that we can analyze them. Uh, we, we try to be as non-destructive as possible, but you know, at, at some at some point, you actually do have to you know, sacrifice very thin slices of the meteorite. Uh, what we're looking for truly is the composition uh, to be able to say this meteorite, which was a piece of the solar system four and a half billion years ago, contains the following elements. And knowing the elemental composition gives us insight into the way our planetary system formed. You know, solar systems, stars, planets, they form from very large uh, volumes of gas, which for one reason or another begin to collapse. And in that collapse process, begin to spin, form at their centers stars, potentially multiple stars. We are only one single star, but you could potentially form multiple stars. And then within this collapsing dust and gas cloud, you form the planets. So literally, we're trying to work our way backwards. We know what the solar system looks like today, but most of the solar system has changed over that four and a half billion years. So being able to link today with the original composition allows us to better simulate how the whole planetary system formed. Okay, so having said that, Paul, our researchers, when they examine this meteorite and they slice and dice it and have a look, are they working off of some sort of working hypothesis that they have kind of a hunch or they believe they know how the solar system began its origin, or are they just kind of uh, going in and uh, with open minds and seeing what this possibly, what sort of story this meteorite could tell us? Well, every meteorite does have its own unique story, just like, you know, if you pick up a rock on the Earth, it has a bit of a story to tell about that particular location. Uh, but in general, we have a very good handle on the way the solar system formed. And we are informed by not just our own solar system, but by other planetary systems. As, as you well know, we have found literally now thousands of exoplanets, planets orbiting other stars. And we're beginning to get some very good insight into the composition of some of their what we call protostellar clouds, the material from which planets are forming in real time. So when we start examining meteorites, we are going in with a lot of uh, predetermined information. But the devil really is in the details. You can change ever so significantly the planetary system's evolution by a very subtle change in the compositions. And when we look at other planetary systems, they look distinctly different to our own planetary system. 
which you know caused us a great deal of angst for many, many decades while we tried to understand whether or not we were unique or whether or not there were fundamental processes that we didn't understand. So bottom line to it is every meteorite adds another piece of the puzzle and gives us greater insight into the differing types of formation processes that are possible at the beginning stages of a star and its planetary entourages formation. All right, sounds like we have another chapter to add to that uh, book, and that's thanks to the uh, good fortune of, uh, well, Ruth Hamilton. Of course, she didn't get hurt, wasn't hurt or injured, so that was good fortune for her, and really good fortune for the uh, rest of us and for researchers who can look into some of what we've been discussing. Paul, appreciate it as always. Thanks so much. Have a great afternoon. You too, Jeff. Cheers. That is our space expert, Paul Delaney from York University with us. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little more about uh, the supply chain and the ongoing supply chain problems. We're seeing this uh, particularly on the West Coast, uh, just off the coast of uh, B.C. and off the coast of uh, California. And basically what's going on and what's uh, happening right now is that there's all kinds of ships, barges there that are just filled with uh, containers that have just got so many different uh, goods in it that uh, people are just uh, waiting for, but uh, there's such a backlog uh, that they can only be unloaded, of course, uh, so fast. Uh, For example, and uh, we were talking about this uh, last week, I think I mentioned uh, a friend of mine who is in the uh, home renovation uh, business, a fairly large uh, business where he's doing, you know, uh, condominiums, apartment buildings, that sort of thing. He is uh, literally ground to a halt all of his work because he's uh, waiting for uh, plumbing supplies to come off uh, one of these uh, large ships, these uh, shipping containers out off the uh, coast of uh, BC. Can't do anything about it until they get to the ship and the container that has his uh, goods on it. But uh, just wondering, uh, Mary, have you encountered anything over the last uh, few months when you've been out uh, shopping, uh, an item that maybe you regularly uh, pick up or you shop for, and either it's like the last one on the shelf or you just can't find it at all? Well, and even earlier on in the pandemic, we built a fire table. We moved during the pandemic, built a fire table outside so we could enjoy that space. And the fire table insert we couldn't get. It was ordered. So we had to fabricate it. And then the end of the story is that it, the order got canceled and then it arrived like a year later. <laughs> See, I just later. would have set that table on fire <laughs> at that point. There's my there's my fire table. It's only good for one use. <laughs> well, what, what we got to build, we got to fabricate and build a fire table. And we now have a new insert for this season heading into the winter and the cold season. Okay, that's good news. By the way, you couldn't afford to set the table on fire because the price of lumber at the time too, right? It was through that's the roof. Right. Yeah, uh, Dave, anything, on to that. anything for you that uh, you couldn't find or get your hands on? Yeah, I'm looking to get a new couch, and I went to Leon's, and they said, yeah, it's going to be, you can order, but it's going to be a few months until you get it. I went, what? Right. And I'm hearing that not only about, like, uh, furniture, but appliances in particular as well. Yes, yeah. we needed a new stove, too, and uh, trying to find a new stove was, like, impossible. Nobody had anything. Um, we were lucky, too, because... Uh, my apartment, like, we needed a new freezer. We needed everything, apparently. I need a new everything. I need a new everything. So we got <laughs> yeah. a, a chest freezer, and luckily it was the last one at a Home Depot. And they're like, yeah, you're lucky you got this because we haven't had these for months. Yeah, this it, was in the summer. Yeah, it's wild. I've heard a bunch Crazy. of stories, yeah, when it comes to home furnishings and, as I mentioned, yeah. appliances. Uh, for me, and this has been uh, maybe the one of the more obscure things, more of the, the wilder things that's not been available is spray starch yeah for my for my dress shirts <laughs> i uh i like just a light starch when i iron my shirts or i want them to look good and uh, i remember going over here to the uh loblaws kitty corner to us here at uh, downtown toronto course key 
And uh, I couldn't find it anywhere. And I uh, said to the person stocking the shelves uh, there, I said, excuse me, sir, do you have any spray starch? He's like, no. I had no idea. Like, no, I don't know what it is, or no, we don't have any. Maybe a bit of both. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I still can't find uh, spray starch. Some of the things that uh, have been uh, impossible to get and find have been really interesting uh, during this pandemic. You're on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.